After Hours. Well, all right. Welcome to HR After Hours, the only human resources podcast that will hold your place in line. Will you go potty? Hannah <laughs> Hampton, talk to me, sister. What's going on? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, well, hey, long time no talk. I feel like it's been quite the year. We're only uh, two months into 2021, but I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I, you know, we took a little bit of a hiatus after we (laughs) took a winter hiatus. We took a second winter hiatus because work's been busy, right? I mean, it's been crazy. There are some industries that aren't as busy. HR and recruiting, busy, busy, busy. I feel like every HR manager, every, sorry, every HR professional is just waiting for that moment to exhale because I feel like the past almost 12 months, 11 months have just been complete insanity for the HR recruiting world. Yeah. And in general, I'm not exhaling because I've put on some COVID poundage into where the size 35s is not an easy task right now. So I've been holding it in. Things have still been a little wonky out there. I, I think we've got... I don't want to like be too serious, and that's one of the reasons we've been on hiatus is we didn't want to be the the gloomy HR mm-hmm. podcast, and I didn't want to bring everyone down with my seasonal affective disorder. But it's been tough, and winter finally decided to really kick in this month. Oh my and, gosh, yes! And, We're uh, both in places that, I mean, that normally get this type of weather, but it's just been bad. It's been bad in general, and of course, Texas. Everyone, oh, my heart goes out to everyone in Texas. Absolutely. We definitely hope we love that you, everything gets going in there. Uh, I've done business quite a bit in Texas. And the one thing about Texas, it always drove me crazy because, you know me, I don't like to drive in heavy populated cities. And I normally make people drive drive me around in Dallas travel mm-hmm. because they don't use salt on the roads there because they don't get snow consistently. But they get right. these crazy ice storms and they use sand on the roads instead of salt. It's always been a frightening experience for me, so I definitely feel for the people down there, and I hope uh, everything gets up and running ASAP. Let's try to get away from the the doom and gloom and try to lighten up, because I don't know about you, Hannah, but candidates are waffling and associates are looking for direction mm-hmm. when they don't even know what the problem is. They, hey, can you help me? Sure. What do you need? I don't know. I just need <laughs> And they were like, me too. Well, that doesn't help them. So it's almost like I want to teleport to a different time or place or fantasy existence. A workplace maybe that looks a little more ideal. The grass is always greener, but I can't find anything in real life. So I'm kind of thinking after talking to you earlier, maybe television. What are are your thoughts? Yeah, I think a lot of people have used television and streaming our streaming services out there to relive the past and while it may not be exactly what collective experience is it's kind of nice to feel that workplace that you were missing and be it you're working from home or be it you know the whole dealing with all the covid you know protocols staying six feet away from people masks it just it's a different work world so a lot of people have have turned to streaming. I think we all have seen The the Office was the number one streamed television show in 2020. Pretty, I feel like it's pretty obvious why. People want to have that feeling again. And I personally think it's a great show. I know there's people out there who disagree, and that's fine. Everyone's got their own taste. But 
I think people are really trying to relive that camaraderie, that just that feeling of that workplace. I mean, honestly, we all spend so much time with our coworkers. We spend more time with our coworkers than we do with our friends and loved ones. And people missed that this past year for, for various reasons. So I think it would be fun to talk about some of the uh, workplace TV shows that, that we like, that we watched, and a little bit about. I know personally, I watch it still. I can't remove my HR hat. And sometimes I cringe because I know things, <laughs> they wouldn't happen, or at least HR wouldn't let them happen. So I think it'd be fun to have a little discussion about some of our favorite workplace TV and, and our thoughts on that. You know what's funny about that is I just thought about the HR characters in the oh, office. Poor Toby. Yeah, like you know, especially Toby. And you just think to yourself, did they have to give those characters more screen time because HR professionals were watching the show when it was new and just calling in and writing to the network going, you can't do that on television. That's not how it is. You're encouraging bad behavior. Uh, and so, and so they had to like <laughs> defeat the HR character consistently. I mean, he, I mean, and the actor did such an amazing job because he just always had this completely just defeated mm -hmm. look about him in his posture, in his face. And I remember those days walking in and just going, welcome to the shit show, Mick. Here we go. Smile. Mm -hmm. And anyone that really knows me has to think that it's hilarious that at any point I was the keeper of any HR policies and procedures and an HR culture, because up until that point in my career, I was the cause for many HR nightmares sure. and restless nights. I know. I think one of my favorites that I watched recently was the salary negotiation episode where Daryl was asking for mon more money and realized that Michael Scott was, you know, his salary was quite uh, hilariously low. Basically, Toby was sitting there listening to Kelly and Ryan argue. And, you know, as much as Michael Scott hated Toby, Michael Scott's boss asked, and it was Jan at the time, which, you know, those who, who watch the show know, but Jan's like, I need somebody in here since because of our personal relationship. And of course, Michael did not want Toby, but Jan insisted it was somebody in HR. And Toby was almost celebrating the fact that he got to leave his desk because he had to sit there and just listen to two coworkers going at it. And my thought was, as an HR professional, you wouldn't just allow two people to go on about their personal life uh, to that extent, as it's very disruptive and distracting. But of course, it makes for great TV. Uh, but I ask you this, that's, you know, you're absolutely right, especially in that office environment. But how many times in your HR roles were you doing an investigation that involved a lot of phone calls or even interviews in person where you got so much more than you ever needed about oh, yeah. the personal lives of the associates in that building. Well, I also asked the right questions to get as much information because <laughs> you had. I learned if you ask the right type of question, you can get people to tell you practically anything and everything. And it may not have felt initially related, but it could open up another can of worms. And I certainly, you know, I've had that before. Where I went in investigating situation A and left with situation B, which was way worse than situation A. So oh, I feel yes. like everyone's had that scenario where they somehow uncovered something huge accidentally. And it's, 
insane. <laughs> you know, one of the things that changed my approach to HR and then it made its way into recruiting, I actually learned when conducting investigations or interviews to talk less and let mm -hmm. them talk more. And you then, talk less? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. There's a period of time where I could actually talk less. It's It became a very honed skill and very, it was a lot of discipline you involved. You try really hard. No. <laughs> but I would, you know, I would just sit there and look at someone as they'd answer my question and I'd look at them like, are you through? Then they all of a sudden would keep going. That's when you're just like, oh my gosh, look at this just can of worms that's just opened itself and created a fountain. Oh. We'll tell you the question, always end every investigation with, is there anything else? And I will ask that until I get somebody to say no. And I will ask it five times if I need to. I'll ask it 10 times if I need to. Anything else? Anything else? And, you know, that is such an open question that it will start <laughs> to really unravel that sweater where you get to the root of things. So, you are so right. It's not a long question. It's not a hard question. It's anything else. Absolutely. And even same thing, you're interviewing a candidate and then the process is a little slow. Like it has been, I've had a much slower interviewing process over the last year. It's just interesting to, and very informative to see as you check in with the candidate in between steps because they're taking longer and they get more comfortable with you and they they feel there's this this rapport and then all of a sudden they just it's like Tourette's every time you call them they just like have to scream mm -hmm. uncomplimentary information about themselves <laughs> at you and you're just like wow I am not moving forward with this candidate going through the process and you've got the candidate that all of a sudden is like asking you to help them get everything they need together like I, I had Mrs. Danzig actually had a candidate that sent his resume in chunks for her to like assemble before she put him in front of the hiring manager. Oh and goodness. she's like, this person is trying to get me to work for them. And then what? she realized they weren't their background check. Oh, well, I'm traveling, you know, I'll, I'll get to it. Will you do it for me? She's like, no, I'm not going to process, you know, you've got to fill this out. And I'm like, well, imagine what happens when you get that person on your team. He's always, because mm -hmm. there are those people that always find ways to get other people to do their work. And this, this candidate had just slowly revealed that about himself over the length of her interviewing process with them. And it's just like, wow. Well, you know, if it's a role that needs a lot of delegating, maybe that's the right role if this person's a master delegator. <laughs> absolutely not. This person was the, this is one of those people that spent more time and energy getting someone else to do their stuff for them than it would take just to do it themselves. And we've all known one of those. So yeah, the, the office is obviously kind of everyone's go-to or has sure. been. But then there's some other work environments or my early career was in the bar business mm. and cheers seemed like such a wonderful work environment. Go back and watch it. Who really wants to watch their boyfriend and his girlfriend fight all the time? <laughs> and then you've got the completely not disgruntled, but just surly Carla, who has at more times than not lunged at customers. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, yeah, she would have been fired so many times on that show for her inappropriate behavior. But, again, makes for great TV. 
made for outstanding television, but it's it's it, the place was never that busy. How they ever make any money? I don't. They at one point they were just like kind of a waiting room for Melville's out upstairs. You got the <laughs> one waitress that takes twenty five minutes to get you a beer because she's flirting with her bartender, who's also the owner. So you can't complain to him behind the bar. And then you've got the surly one, and you've got regulars that run off your new customers on a regular basis. So no wonder Sam had to sell the bar towards the end. He didn't. <laughs> it, was, it was ran damn poorly. What other places have you thought about that if you go back and revisit, well, just not I, the uh, the right business model? Well, you know, I don't know if about this, but saying it's the right or wrong business model, but I always love Silicon Valley and. You know, I've worked in tech and uh, it's certainly for me, it's kind of a fun take or satire on the workplace. But obviously it starts with like a small, it's in a small incubator type of a situation. So not necessarily in an office office, but it was fun to watch the business grow. And there was actually a, a there was an episode with human resources that in the in the last season, that was quite funny. And it was how HR got people to be more productive. And it was it was just, it was very uh, creative. And I, I kind of cracked up because I'm a big fan of like entertainment and comic book conventions. And I had met one of the actors and I, I told them, I'm like, hey, I work in tech, but I'm in human resources. And he kind of laughed at that. And his storyline uh, really revolved around HR. So um, I'm sure that their ideal on what HR is, is, is pretty interesting. But yeah, I'd say so. Silicon Valley is one. I, I don't want to say it's it's it was all real. Uh, there was definitely some exaggerations, but there were, were parts where I'm like, yeah, I definitely see that. And then this one I didn't experience, obviously, for many obvious reasons. But Mad Men, I feel like that was a very popular TV show. Uh, that was a obviously workplace related. It was the advertising world in the in the 60s, and the I'd say that the whole series grew. Uh, within the 1960s. And man, if it wasn't a lesson about why we have so many of our HR laws and policies in place, I don't know what is. <laughs> well, what's insane about that, and, and you and I started to talk just a little bit before we hit record and we realized we had to stop talking, A, mm -hmm. because you were going to get mad at me at first, and then B, because <laughs> we didn't want to overvisit something that we'd want to talk about, was the fact that when that show first came out, I was at part of that generation that that loved business and kind of felt like I had missed out from just the glimpses I had seen and and even from old sitcoms mm -hmm. like, you know, Father Knows Best and then going into Bewitched and things where you thought that that 60s, late 50s, early 60s, an ad executive, three martini lunch. I mean, man, I was born too late. That, that, that's what I wanted to be because I look good in a suit. I dress well. Because you're a white male. <laughs> and I could drink martinis and, and come home and be unsurly towards the wife. And you're absolutely right. What a white male perspective mm -hmm. to to think that, that it was all like that and it was all glitz and glamour. And what was great about Mad Men is it showed you – the, the, for you know, I guess lack of a better cliche, the the underbelly of uh, of what everyone thought was glitz and glamour, and seeing the the rampant sexism and the ridiculousness of the sexism to see mm -hmm. some of it documentaries and read about what it was really like, and the dating the steno pool and the drunken debauchery at work that was not pleasant. It was unpleasant and surly, and it was kind of like. 
wow. And honestly, I stopped watching the show for a little while and went back and revisited it because I think I was kind of everything about that show was just it was done so well. But then to kind of like, why am I not happy with the show right now? And it's to realize all of this illusion was being just chipped away where some people, some of it was so obvious to them, mm-hmm. but I had built it up to be so great. And it, it really kind of slapped me in my big fat face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely was such a well done show, but for, for me on the, you know, in human resources as a department has been around since, you know, since the mid century, but I feel like initially it was just personnel. It was hiring. It was dealing with, you know, those pieces and it's evolved so much. And, you know, I feel like that that show kind of tells you why and, and dealing with like Joan and Peggy and what they had to deal with as women in the workplace. And, and at times they did touch on diversity in the workplace, but not, you know, not as much as, as it would today. But man, just what people had to deal with in the workplace at that time. Well, and it's funny because what I've seen a lot of resurfaced on Facebook over the last couple of years and Instagram and other social media pages, sites will publish these old ads that were created back in the 50s, 60s, even the 70s that were so terrible. And some of them, like for high karate cologne, basically... It was one of the ads I saw was a big poster for date rape. Then they had the ones about, you know, give your wife the best vacuum cleaner for Christmas because she deserves it to better clean your home. And it gives her more time to make dinner and help the kids. And it was all these, I mean, the most sexist stuff you'd ever seen. And I really thought when I first saw some of those that they were mock ads, that they that they weren't real. They're friggin' real. I mean, even like, you know, not to, to go to a totally different topic about advertising, but I even think about secret deodorant for women and their tagline used to be strong enough for a man made for a woman. And now it's just strong enough for a woman. But I think it's funny when, you know, I think a lot of advertisers realize what, you know, where they went wrong in the past. And of course, anything like that would not fly in today's world. People are very comfortable calling out, you know, sexism and racism and lack of diversity. But I think it's a beautiful thing that you watch television and commercials are more diverse and more inclusive and just are more thoughtful and not just about selling to that white male uh, demographic. And I hope that, you know, this, well, I don't care. I was gonna say, I hope this doesn't offend anyone talking about that, but I I don't care if you're upset that it no longer is pointed to the white male demographic. Uh, it's too bad. <laughs> well, it's funny that it's the white, the white male that notices all the inclusivity and in ads to a point where they almost complain about it. Like, well, you never see a white couple in an ad anymore. It's like, well, how did you notice that? Why did you notice it? It's uh, You're like boo-hoo. Boo you know, fucking who. <laughs> let's go back in time five years then, and you can watch every commercial if that's what you want to see. I mean, this is just something that's long yeah, overdue can... that's finally taking place. So on and... Amazon Prime, you can watch vintage commercials. And so I was actually, it's funny because I was watching them. I don't know. I was trying to fall asleep or something. And I was cracking up because it's, you know, it was like 100% white people. And of course, 
I, and I'm just sitting there thinking, man, the lack of diversity is just so overwhelming to me. Like that was the first thought in my head was just like how it was all geared towards, you know, towards the white nuclear family versus anyone else. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how times have changed. But it is, I mean, I feel like it, it's it's a good thing that that you notice it. And it's good that you can look back and, and, and realize that the change has been good. But, you know, and then I also think about, again, back to workplaces, I've talked about it before. I'm a big Twilight Zone fan, and there's definitely, you know, workplace episodes. And again, you see the lack of diversity. And there's an episode called "A Stopover." A Stopover at Willoughby, and it's an advertising, very similar to Mad Men. It's an advertising company, and it's all white men. And the women, the the wife of the main character, is just the shrill, horrible wife. And sometimes how women are portrayed. It's again, it's it's very eye opening and kind of gross. <laughs> Absolutely. That, well, you know, it, what I have noticed on television lately, and you mentioned Amazon, some of their top new shows right now have amazing cast that are extremely diverse. But you mentioned being able to go back and watch the old uh, commercials and things like that as well. What Amazon does have that is by far the least politically correct program of all time. And if you really want to witness it, and it's not a sitcom and, you know, comedy and stand up comedy tends to always be more shocking, et cetera. But my sure. God, if you go back and watch a Dean Martin celebrity roast right now, you will be it's actually appalling. There are actually really? some of the racism and sexism wow. is actually so offensive today <laughs> and wow. you're actually like like i could not watch a whole episode of one oh and i was kind of helps you check yourself right that mm -hmm. you're like okay well i don't know if i would have found this as, off as offensive 10 years ago so i think that's growth growth but at the same time yeah it's like it's also like watching a, a train wreck where you should step away probably earlier than i did but it's uh, but the good news is, like you said, there's there's new things out there, and, and there are some shows one. that play it. You know, Superstore is one of your favorite new shows. Yes, and I think it really tackles very subtly yes. a lot of those things. Well, I was gonna say that's one. I'm like, if you need a palate cleanser, because I feel like it has a very diverse and inclusive cast, and of course, like that's a lot of times that it goes to they make a point about the workplace and. I, as somebody who has done human resources in a retail environment, there's things I see. I'm like, oh yeah, that's to that totally happens. I totally see that. But I love more and more modern television shows will really show a, the the actual picture of things versus that ideal. You know, I guess that when you always, nostalgia has a way of putting rose colored glasses on things sometimes, but I think it's always important to see the reality of of, of the world. And you can watch any of these shows and you can still kind of hone your HR skills a little bit and play little games like what would I do in mm -hmm. this scenario or how would I investigate this episode if, you know, I was only given these pieces and maybe we'll create a game where we'll pick an episode and we'll put a complaint together and then do some research later uh, as an investigation. But it's something that you and you may actually I will just to kind of bring this back full circle. You brought up a good point that made me think, I think about the office and Toby as an HR professional and 
how Michael gave him a hard time. But you think if, if Toby had been the best HR manager, Michael probably would have been fired a long time ago, but Michael instilled his power over Toby. So Toby didn't hold him accountable for his really bad behavior. So I think had there been a stronger HR character in that, or a stronger HR person in that role, Michael would have been gone a long time ago. We wouldn't have that great television that we enjoy. Absolutely. So that's a good way to look at it. There you are, Anna Hampton, <laughs> always half glass full, and that's why we love it. Oh, 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 oh,